Hey, we are friends, <laughs> another evening, and tonight I get the pleasure of filling the pulpit for Pastor Tim, and I always find it's a pleasure as we're um, doing this series um, towards the end, and um, and here we go. Um, I like to um, just start off reading our scripture first, and because uh, it's very important when we read God's word, it's very important what we have to say here, and um, some, I mean it's and with our with the audience we have. It kind of makes it kind of interesting what, what we're what we're talking about. So <clears throat> I did my best. So um, if you have your Bibles or phones, um, turn to Matthew five, and we're going to read twenty-seven through thirty-two. You have heard that it is said, "You should not commit adultery." But I say to everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in her, in in her in his heart. And if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away for it is better for you to lose your members of your better for you take a breath for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body would be thrown into hell and if your right hand causes you to sin cut it off and throw it away for it is better for you to lose one member than that and your whole body would go into hell it is also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to everyone that who divorces his wife, except for the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. There we go. I'm going to um, open the word of prayer because this is, can be very, this is very interesting with all you said. It just sounds really confusing, you know, and all that. But let's um, bow in word of prayer. My Father, thank you for the wisdom that you've given, Lord, that, um, as, that as I prepare this message for the people here, Lord. Lord, and, 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 and the, the things that I've learned also, Lord, that I need to tune into also. Lord, and I know there's some things I've been down the pathway before of a lot of this, Lord, and, and in our mind and our hearts, Lord, that I just um, confessing before you that 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 this is for the people and it's may may you speak to me also through it in your own name amen so well as we said just what it says there's a lot going on just looking at these few verses can be very convicting to one soul which was which was mine the whole couple of weeks because i really i really in my own self seen all this happening more than i ever did sexual immorality is a tremendous temptation in our culture if you look at it today, we are supposed to be proud of it. We'll march about it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll even wear it. We'll even expose the things that we shouldn't expose it to. It. But God didn't create that to happen. It was only between man and women, but the world wants to make it between male or male to male, female to female, or to another creature, or just, hey, let's just have it all open. You know, and, it, and if you're happy with it, I'm happy with it. But all this... It's not the way God ordained marriage. And we'll see that as we go through these verses. And we'll see with the standards that God puts it up. True, faithful believers know that this is not what God had ordained for marriage. And we all know that. But why, you know, why go over if we already know it? But there's, there's a lot of things in here. There are so many things that, are unclear, uh, that, that seems unclear but obvious. This is not to be literal. And I'll say because we all have our hands. We all got our feet. We got our, all our eyeballs and all that. I have, um, so it is desired, so sometimes I think a lot of this adultery, a lot of this is a desire to want something that is not yours, 
for the taking. In your mind and heart, you want it and you plan on getting it. And I think that's what the, a lot of things of this whole passage is going to be, is this passage may focus more on men than it does women. But I believe it can apply to both. Um, studies have shown that men's desire for this is a lot stronger. And, of course, we have a, a lot of ladies and all that here, too. But it's still, there's still an aspect in this, in this that applies to all of us because there is something on. And I divided it up in three sections. But um, another verse that came on my mind before I did, Paul says this about living a Christian life. In Acts 15, 20, and then I'm going to read Colossians 3, 5. It says, but, but should write to them to abstain from the things that pollute by, polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from, and from what has been strange and from blood. Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is all idolatry. And that's how I believe that this can do this. It's, it's idolatry. It's wanting something so bad you're going to decide to get it. And it may go against God's word or go against what God has, has planned for us in our mind. We should stray away from these belief systems or symbols Sometimes that are real close to represent ungodliness behavior that can, can cultivate our mind into thinking we need, we need that more than what we need God in our lives. We think that we need something, we need somebody, we need something more than we need God. And, and that's another thing that kind of cultivates in here. When it's dead, it's not needed anymore. Would you rather eat a piece of fruit? When we eat a piece of fruit, we always cut out the dead part and we eat the rest. But I think that's what, not what God doesn't mean for us. We're supposed to cut it away and put it away. We tend to ask ourselves, there's these going to be, what about this situation? What about that situation? Hey, I was in this marriage. I was in this relationship. What about? But that, that can go in 100 miles, and I'll cover that later on. And my thing are these, and why as I go through this. Most dessert, desserts, <laughs> I'm hungry, you know. Most divorces is because the hardening of the heart and one towards either hardening a heart between you and your spouse or hardening a heart between you and man. And we like to hide our sinful past from others. But for some reason, divorce is shown out to others. Like we have either sinned or there, our divorce was righteous. And, and that is passed away. And, um, you know, we shouldn't worry about how people judge us. We worry about how God judges us. So God wants us to have a clean heart. And that's what I entitled this first one. God wants us to have a clean heart. We must cultivate purity of our mind and heart. And as we go through these verses in the Bible in here, Matthew verse 17 says, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but came to fulfill them. Jesus fills the law on the cross. That's what he did. He came through all the time. I was making sure of it. Verse 20, for I tell you, unless righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The Pharisees' way, the Pharisees' way is the wrong way. So in other words, the Pharisees were making these rules so you can look like them, so you can look better than them. So, so these were conditions that were put upon you, like, you know, if you don't wear a shirt and a tie, the church, you're not, you're not, you're not worshiping God. You know, all women should wear, wear, wear dresses and, and, you know, then you're not worshiping God. And you can wear all that stuff and have a wicked heart. It's, it's the heart of the thing that matters. 
and the Pharisees were these going around putting all these rules and speculation and people wanted to be like them instead of being like Christ. And hopefully that's what, what here through this, we want to be like Christ because I'm no good at, I, you know, we all, we all fallen short. And as you notice through all the verses had to do with all of our sin in our lives that we have. Um, oh, what I found interesting by going through this, verse 21, 27, 31, 33, 38, and 30 and 43 begins with you have heard and like you have heard and i kept on looking at you have heard what have i heard what we was talking about you have heard these from the pharisees you have heard this you've heard that and as you go through all the list of all those verses this statement mainly is coming from the pharisees what have you heard from them or others same thing as i mentioned earlier what have you heard from others well you know i can't dance or i can't do this um I mean, I had some other in my mind. I put it down. <laughs> but, um, but what else was, oh, I, I skipped the point there. The act of giving a divorce certificate was easy to accomplish from the Pharisees. She burnt my egg, my toast every morning. She doesn't care. I want a new woman. Are the, are the, you know, nowadays, you know, the women are like, he looks at me weird. And as you see, there's more to it than, than just that. We're going to see through this how, how God wants stuff in our lives and verse 48 says you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect and that's our goal is is in verse 48 is to be perfect in christ not to um worry about how perfect that other person is or, or your spouse your mate you know your friends worry about where how you are in christ um there's a, it's like, there's, there's, there's this fence, you know, guys, you know how, like, you got, like, a horse fence, a horse ring, you're all wrapped around this fence, sometimes we want to ride on the fence, but no, we should be in the middle, and another thing is, is, um, we'll be, I'll go more into this later, is, is putting it on the shelf, a lot of times we take that sinful thing that is our lust, our desires, our idols, we'll put it on the shelf, and say, well, it's there, I don't really need it, but at least I know it's there, but I think when he means to cut it off, is to get rid of it just like that fruit we cut off that bad part in it to get rid of it not to you don't take that bad part and put it in back in the refrigerator hold on to it you know like the bad part of strawberry or the banana or whatever or you put it away so god wants us to have a clean heart we should aim for our purity in marriage and i've it, a lot of us you know may not be you know uh so God designed for marriage, it, um, God designed for marriage, and it seems that Christians who take the Bible as God's final word on the subject of marriage are the only ones who are not, who are, hmm, I'm rereading my notes, I'm sorry, <laughs> um, God is not the author of confusion. He, um, in other words, there's, I was trying to remember where I was going with this point, and I totally lost it. Sorry, guys. God designed for marriage. It seems that Christians who take the Bible as God's final word on the subject of marriage are the only ones who are not confused. God is not the author of confusion. In 1 Corinthians 14, 33, it talks about that. And he has stated plainly that marriage is his idea he defined it in the garden of eden jesus 
retained God's design for marriage in the New Testament in Mark 10, 6 through 8. And so what it is, marriage is this picture. You take this picture of God's love for the church. The church is his bride. This is his bride, us in here. And the the church loves Christ. We love Christ. That's why we come here and we worship because of our love for Christ. Not for the love for the pastor who preaches or for the music, but we should come here because we love Christ. And we all love Christ together. And we're worshiping him. So, and he stated plainly, and the image of symbolism applies to Christ to the body of believers known as the church. The church is composed of people we trust. The bridegroom. So, here's how I put this. It's like this, the head of the church, Pastor Tim is mainly the head of the church. Me and then um, my brother, Pastor Tim, kind of helps out, and us, we kind of facilitate things. We're responsible for what we, what, what we preach and, and tell to you. It's the same thing as in the marriage. A man is responsible. I'm responsible for, for, for my wife, and then when my kids are in my home, I'm responsible and held accountable for them. So Christ is the head of the church. As man is the head of the family. He joins him with his wife, the woman, and they are one. The children should be nurtured and caring of the parents. That's why the two have to be become one flesh, one in God, and they nurture their, their kids to grow up in the nurturement of God. Same time, like we are supposed to be nurturing you all and not up here always entertaining the songs that, that Melanie picks is the one for helps us focus on Christ, focus on, on, on what God does for us. And Tim and I bring the word so we can focus on what God's word brings. And that's the whole point. And that should actually go to the family unit of itself, not just here in church. You can't, you know, we can speak to the kids all we want here, but if it's not practiced at home every day, then it's going to fail there. So in marriage, both should be honoring God in our hearts not honoring ourselves. And that's a lot of times I think we look at, you know, you don't do this for me, so they're going to have all these cutoffs. And next, you know, well, you don't satisfy me, I'm going to leave you. But the man may not have done nothing wrong. Or the woman may not have done anything wrong, but then they want to just leave them. And it's so easy to go write a divorce. But later on, we'll see that, we, you know, you should just stay with that person if it's not physically harming you. We must guard our eyes. Where, where they may turn. The Greek word looks, it means to con- have a continuous gaze. You know, like, you know, like um, us men, we just gaze upon. This is really hard to talk in front of a bunch of ladies. <laughs> when the men <laughs> gaze, up, and there's guys out there online, when you gaze upon something and you look at that and these thoughtful things come in your mind, and that's, that's what it is. Like David, when David was out on his evening deck, all of a sudden he seen Bathsheba. He didn't like, oh, look at Bathsheba. Okay, now uh, I'm sure he gazed upon it. Maybe it was one day, maybe it was two days, but he gazed. And that's, that's where a lot of us men, we struggle and, and, we, and we fail on. And I think it can happen on the same way when in a, in a marriage idea, when you're not helping, you're seeing your spouse do that to help them to turn away from that. So there are so many patches there's so many avenues to go through all this and it's really hard to keep on it but um next i'm going to just read first corinthians seven fourteen, where it says for the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband otherwise your children children will be unclean but as but as it is 
they are holy. It's a little, little confusing there, though, but if you know if you're married to an unbelieving spouse, maybe you can eventually win them over as long as there's not. A, I mean, there's so many avenues that we can pick through this that it's really hard. But maybe you, maybe a husband is with an unbelieving spouse. You know, the spouse doesn't mind you going to church, go and do that. But it's for the sake, it's for the children that they will grow up in Christ eventually. And maybe she will turn or he or she will turn. Um, so that's the part, but, and I, it's really hard to discuss. There's so many different avenues to hit, and that's why I believe that, you know, if you're in a relationship that that is demeaning you, tearing you up, harmful, fearful, um, aggressive, I think that's time to, to separate from that and to seek godly counsel. And then go from there because God puts people in our lives to give us wisdom that we should follow. And that's where I think, you know, that's why I'm going to leave that there like that. Because <laughs> I don't want to say, well, Jim, so it's okay for me to do that. Well, I am going to say that person who's counseling, hopefully they're mature in Christ, that are counseling you and your spouse, that, that you, you made that right decision. And that, and, that, and, that, and that, yes, it's a hard decision to make. And when you do it, a lot of times God blesses you for making that decision. But it's... There's that example that Dr. Jeffries, um, Jeffers from First Baptist Church of Dallas, he gave this example. You go to the doctor and say, hey, I'm tired of my you know, two fingers. I never used these two fingers at all. And he goes, um, I just want to cut them off. And the doctor goes, well, why? He goes, ah, you know, they do bother me every once in a while. They get in my way of my other fingers. And you just keep on doing it. The doctor's going to do everything he can to make sure that you don't cut, end up cutting off your fingers because you're tired of them. And that's the same thing with, 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 with a um, marriage counseling. You, that counselor, that pastor, or, or mature Christian is going to do everything for you to keep your marriage together. And sometimes it just doesn't work. It's, a, it's sin. It's back to life. There's sin in the world. So that's basically what that was saying. So we know that God wants to have a clean heart and honor him. He wants us to have uh, a purity in our relationships. Also, purity in our marriage. Also, he wants to have purity in, in our relationship with others. And when you go back to verse 29 and 30, it says, If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one member of your whole body and be thrown to hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of your members than that of the whole body go to hell. And, you know, that's a lot to think about, but when it goes back to that verse of not putting, cutting, getting rid of it, you may have friends that just pull you away from Christ, talk dirty, want you to do things that, that, that are not God-honoring. And, and, and once you get into that groove in your mind, once you cross that line into sin, you're going to struggle with it for the rest of your life. You may think that it's fun, at the time, but it, Satan's got something to struggle, something to give you to struggle with. So another one um, is um, Matthew 18, 8 through 9. He talks about temptations too, and it says if you're, um, oh, there he is, and if your hand, that looks like the same verse, that doesn't look like the right verse. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary for temptations to come, <laughs> 
Cut it off and throw it away. There it goes. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better you to enter life with one eye than two eyes to be thrown in the hell of fire. Um, that we are our, our um, <laughs> little cheater book. Woe to the world for temptations of sin. For ne- so what this this talks about feet too. And this part in um in Matthew. And if your eye, you know, so if your feet walking places maybe you're going somewhere you're not supposed to be going in your marriage or you know even if you're with a bunch of girls or out with a bunch of guys and they're, they they want to go bar hopping they want to go to these places that are really ungodly you shouldn't go there so let's just cut off your feet and you can never go and i think basically <laughs> basically that's what that's what god is saying you know i mean not literally cut off your feet but stop in your tracks and turn away from that so the right eye tear it out this is very gruesome. <laughs> it's, it's the eyes are gateway to our heart. The right hand cut it off. It makes us who we are. Our hands build things. Our hands are there to love and to nurture. And then the last is our foot cut them off. It leads us to where we're heading. So where, where are your feet walking today? Where are you going today? Throw them away and don't, and, and don't keep it for later in life. Don't say, well, I just kind of want to know that pathway in case, you know, it, it is kind of enjoyable. I could kind of go with it. But <coughs> how literally should we take this? Jesus' words in these two passages, like the rest of the sermon, other passages of the Bible that are similar to these two verses, the answer is no. We don't take it literally. And I think what Jesus is employing is this word called hyperbole. That Hyperbole, you guys ever heard that word? Did I say hyper? Hyperbole. There we go, hyperbole. I knew I was saying it wrong, hyperbole. See, I do, I do make mistakes. And I, so hyperbole is an intention of the word, like when you said, your eye cuts you out, pluck it out. Hyperbole, like say, this bag of groceries wears a, weighs a ton. The traffic light took forever. Oh, I just died of embarrassment when my husband tried to sing that song. Um, <laughs> she was always nagging me he couldn't you know um i'm dying of starvation mom i can't help it i'm just dying here um i'm so bored i could just die when is he gonna get over with <laughs> just cry me a river um my wife is all, oh i already got that one i did it twice wife um <laughs> Getting married is like trading the adoration of many for the sarcasm of one. (laughs) So what we have here is Jesus setting the standards for purity. Not just what the not just what the Pharisees had this. Well, it's okay. You're kind of doing that. You know, just kind of work on. No, he says, do this. Stand up to the next level. So lust is the same as adultery. Just as anger is the same as murder. So that's how I thought this all tied into one, because no matter what, we're sinful. No matter what, we need Christ because we can never measure, that, measure up. And we never will measure up. And that's why we have Jesus as our, as our Savior. So we need to change. We need to change. So what needs to change in, 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 in what we do? So what we need to change is our way and how we progress to 
pure, purity in our life. And that's the whole po- point of, I think, all of the Sermon on the Mount, all these verses working for purity in our life, that, that sanctification, progressive sanctification in our lives. You know, think of what you need to cut off, what you need to get rid of, where you need to never walk to before, whose path you never need to follow down. You know, and, you know, think about your mindset. Think about your heart. The ways you see your spouse. You know, doing like, well, you know, if she was this way, I think I'll love her better. You know, if he was that way, I think he, he would be a lot better, better man for me. Those are just things that Satan puts into the divide. Or, you know, that friend, if only they do this, you enjoyed everything else but the little bitty thing. Just that negativism can tear you down. Um, what type of close friends do you have in your life that, 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 that either encourage you not to be pure to Christ or they encourage you to, to walk closer to the world, walk closer to that fence? You know, or you got friends that are wanting you to stay in the middle with Christ. So this all boils down to Romans 12.1. And it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, on account of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. It's not about how well you do, but sacrificing that time it, you know, your flesh may love it, but it, it, it causes sin in your life. So get rid of it. I know it's easy to say behind here, but it's not easy to do. Want to be pleasing to God? Look, walk, and handle God's word in a manner that is pleasing to him, not yourself. We sang this verse of the hymn earlier in the service before confession of sin and all that. It's one of my favorite verses in and for um, him, though, it's not a verse. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not really well at singing, but it's, um, we would, we trouble ourselves with this a lot. And a lot of times in our minds, you know, we may be striving or looking upon things, especially for us men who like to look at nice cars, look at this, look at that, look at all this beauty. And sometimes when we start focusing on that, just, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And listen, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And that's what we we need. So you just sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his 